0: Derek Brooks is the owner of Benedictus Art. I met him a few months back in Phoenix at a meeting of classical school educators hosted by Great Hearts Institute, and I thought that the work he is doing deserves a discussion here at First Things. Sometimes I think that that uh, the 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 arts elements of primary and secondary education and higher education are underappreciated, and uh, so let's let's do it. Welcome, Mr. Brooks.
1: Thank you. Uh, It is a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, first, tell us what Benedictus Art does.
1: Primarily, um, we offer museum-quality fine art photo reproductions of the great works of the great masterpieces, particularly of the Western canon, to classical and Catholic education schools. Um, That does include things like design, um, so I help In different schools with um, with art layout design um, I restore the works digitally restore the works themselves um, as well as helping heads of school or whoever's in charge of the project kind of craft their vision so they come to me saying we want art in our schools where we want to beautify our space and I say well let's have a conversation about that because I want to understand the aim yeah so what are you attempting to do and then and sometimes they have a fairly well-developed vision and sometimes they don't um, and I help them craft that one way or the other to accomplish uh, the ends for which they're putting the art on the walls
0: when did you start when did Benedictus start begin
1: uh i would technically in 2016 but it didn't really get underway until uh 2020 um i didn't recognize a need (laughs) for um art and i wasn't i was passingly familiar with the classical education world um but not deeply familiar and that started to change in 2020 and then i started attending conferences and that's when things i I started to see that oh there's an actual need here Um, and I, I think have a fairly unique skill set that can kind of step into that, uh, step into that gap and fill the need.
0: Is, is um, so you, what brought you into the classical school world, I mean, in part is this huge growth that we see in classical Absolutely. schooling. You've seen this, well, I guess for, for your, your, you haven't been an educator in the past.
1: No, 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 I'm actually a, a spiritual director by training. Okay. So,
0: but but you so you see this from the outside. Are you surprised at this uh, explosion of classical education? I mean, I know it's off of a small a small base, but the growth is significant, especially at a time when you know public schools are are, are losing enrollment. Does the <laughs> does the growth uh, surprise you?
1: Not at all. And given you know given what's happening in the culture at large no this is a natural uh i would say either a reaction or response you know reaction tends to have a more negative connotation response a more positive connotation um to what's happening in in the culture at large people and and i think you know i think it's been noted many times that COVID had a revelatory effect parents were finally able to see what was happening in the public schools and they said we don't want this for our kids we want something. We want true education. We want them to be well-formed. We want to form their minds, their hearts, really their souls. Um, and this is not, this isn't passing muster. And so we're looking for options. So we're seeing massive growth in charter schools, uh, in the classical education world, and in homeschooling as well. People are looking for options. So this doesn't surprise me at all, given, again, where we're at in the culture, and particularly what's happened over the past several years.
0: Yeah. You, you know, I, I want to come back to that. But let me mention something that is on your website, where you state that we exist in a time where the, quote, merely pretty is often mistaken Mm. for the genuinely beautiful. So there you're not you're not defining yourself against the the vulgarity and obscenity that is is so often throughout the culture and often in the in the schools as well. But here, the opposition is to the merely pretty. What do you mean by that distinction? maybe, maybe give us a, a few examples of, of what might be merely pretty, and that we've yeah. got to understand the difference between sort of the nicely pleasing, but then the masterpieces:
1: a whole other level. right. Yeah, and I think that's, I think that has to start with defining beauty well. Um, and that's actually what I've been working on quite a bit lately, um, because, you know, we've got multiple ca- multiple categories for defining beauty. You've got the classical definition, uh, transcendentals like truth, goodness, and beauty, which, of course, in the classical education world is prominent. Um, the subjective meaning of beauty, uh, the theological meaning of beauty. And so... Um, really what that boils down to is that which I I think what I've kind of boiled that down to to, to have a concise definition is that beauty is that which positive that in the created order, which positively reveals God. And that's a, a very broad definition for a very specific reason, because what I, it's a functional definition, meaning that you can apply that to works of art, um, now it's going to include all aspects that i just mentioned the classical transcendental uh, subjective theological so th- something that is that has um that is kind of a technically brilliant work of of proportion right which would fit into the classical definition of beauty um or something that is a uh, uh, that yeah something that Reveals truth and goodness in a particularly—I um, uh, don't—I don't have a good word for it, but something that just does well at revealing truth and goodness. Um, and I would say the merely pretty is is thing—it it, it tends to be a veneer or something that kind of—it it can be something that has—I I don't know that I have a specific example in mind. I think often about uh, movies and. Uh,
0: well, no, no. I think you're right. Movies, the movies uh, uh, appeal. I, I think here because you got a lot of movies, you know, that are, they're they're nicely done. Uh, they have lovely sets. You know, the cinematography is of you know the best order. Mm-hmm. But it it isn't again reaching the level of of the masters. And it again, you're you're you're. It's hard to define as right. the aesthetic right. is often so hard to define as well and i think this is why you can't really say why something is beautiful you can't fully give a rational explanation for it and that and that this comes back to the mission of exactly uh, benedictus because you need exposure right you need to get an experience of the masterpieces, in order to recognize the difference between again the the genuinely high art and the good, right the 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 solid the skillful uh, to see though that that distinction takes yep. exposure. It's sort of like you know if you eat at you know decent restaurants in in town, uh, you know a a a, 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 fun, a steakhouse in town that's just Fine, you know the difference between that and McDonald's, <laughs> right? Fast food, but you won't know the difference if you go have a meal prepared by a great chef like Alice Waters, you know, or one of one of the top chefs in 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 France. That's that's the distinction that we we need. That you have to show right? You've got to show them the great works, and that's why, that's your job, right? Yes, absolutely. I'm putting, you're putting the masterpieces in there so the kids see them all the time.
1: And putting them in there at, at high quality, because, you know, you go back to Marshall McLuhan and Understanding Media and his whole, we've heard it over and over, the medium is the message. And you actually obscure the masterpiece if it's if it's a lower quality uh, representation of it. So it has to be a high quality representation, otherwise the beauty is again obscured. It's it's missed. Um, so the content's there, but the presentation is off, and so uh, you can't actually the you can't actually really see. You can't experience the the fullness of the beauty. Now I'm not saying that what I do. I'm obviously to be in front of the work itself is really the ideal um because then you can see with uh incredible clarity the the brush strokes you can see the technical expertise but you can also i I think again going back to what you said about um you can't really put a why to it it's hard to beauty is hard to describe in part because it beauty is you know to and of course this needs nuance but beauty is god like god is beauty and not to and i think that any I think that intuitively makes sense, but um like I said, it sometimes requires nuance because it's not putting a my definition of beauty on God, but that God is beauty himself and therefore um but yeah so if you if you stand in front of a, a work of art and you're in that uh you're you're in the immediate presence of it. It's, it's something that can't really be described. It's of the ineffable. And so I'm, you know, my hope is that when students stand in front of these works of art in, in schools, um, this, and as we recontextualize this art, you know, move it from the museums back into a place uh, where it's actually meant to do something different than it typically is meant to do in a museum, that that will awaken. It will stir the fires of desire in their own heart and draw them, uh, really draw them towards God.
0: all of them preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. I would emphasize what, what you said at the beginning about the mission of, of Benedictus, and that is to provide museum-quality uh, reproductions of these works. This isn't just photograph, uh, a print, you know, to hang, to hang on the wall, which is nice, but we, you're you're talking about uh, super, super high high fidelity reproductions of of these works uh, for for kids to to experience, and people notice that instantly, right? Instantly, that is
1: that has been my experience. As I, you know, when I first started going to these conferences, I thought, you know, maybe a couple of people will show up to the booth, um, and what ended up happening. Was that I was swarmed? People would come back the next day saying, "I wanted to talk to you yesterday, but there were so many people around that I just thought I don't have time right now. I'll come back tomorrow and and try them again." And yeah. and yeah, so that's been my experience for sure.
0: Yeah, and 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 on the on the issue of the difficulty of defining, of expressing. I mean, you know, Kant recognized this. He did the Critique of Pure Reason, the first Critique, mm-hmm. as it's called, and that is about cognition how things become intelligible to us. And then he did the critique of practical reason, which is on, on ethical uh, issues, moral reasoning. And then he realized there's a whole other form of experience here, mm-hmm. and that is the aesthetic. That's the, the third critique, the critique of judgment that does not operate on fully explicable cognitive grounds. And that, again, so how do we, how do we cultivate taste by having people taste it. Yeah. Taste this. And and you begin, you know, you know, it, it's like it's like uh with wine, you 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 develop your nose by tasting the superior things. And it's not a matter of then putting down the you know the second rate. The second rate isn't so bad. Mm-hmm. You know, the fifth rate is is bad, but you learn these gradations. In inexperience, and that that's part of your your taste, and we have to build that among young people because so much of their taste is cultivated by garbage.
1: You are by uh, junk, you're preaching to the choir, absolutely, it is. <laughs> um, it and that and that's yeah. and that's actually, I'm leading uh several different uh, three different conferences this summer, um, Central Consortium of Classical Educators out in Arkansas, and um. The Society of Classical Learning in Dallas, and then Institute of Catholic Liberal Education, which is in Pittsburgh this year. At these three different yeah. conferences, I'm leading talks on art and prayer. Um, good, good. So, I'll, I'll
0: be there in Pittsburgh. So. Uh, oh, great. I'll, we I'll, will I'll, I'll, I'll come. I'll, I'll be sitting in the back for your, for your presentation. So yeah. let me mention, another description on the webpage adds this factor. The encounter, and you mentioned it, the encounter mm-hmm. with God which you say may be facilitated by, quote, the contemplation of true beauty. Uh, Does this lead to a heavy focus at Benedictus on explicitly religious art?
1: I I, I wouldn't say it's a heavy focus. I would say it's probably somewhat weighted in that direction, but it's really just on the beautiful, because I don't think something has to be... explicitly religious in subject matter in order to be obviously in order to be beautiful and therefore yeah. worthy of contemplation you know I, I would say that in in fact I, I let me pull something up here real quick um I've been working on this this morning um you know i, I um so we
0: we're, we're we're gonna get into some of the projects that that you're doing, but go ahead, go ahead
1: yeah, yeah, so I wanted to just talk about um in reference to to contemplating true beauty that when we're talking about the beautiful um, there we need to distinguish between well we need to we need to know what beauty is like we were talking about earlier and that there are works of art and I think I'm not trying to redefine art because it's a very broad category in in this day and age but there are works of art that are expressions of generative and creative genius um, and thereby function to shine a light on truths of reality Um, And they help us see and they can they help us see and they can serve as windows to encounter with God, right? Um, Which is what we're talking about there. And then to go further, like, how do we how do we do that? How do we open ourselves to that encounter? That's a, a, a slightly different topic. But there are alternatively, there are works of art that are created in order to tear down, to destroy, to obscure reality and darken the heart and intellect of the observer. And I say, I mean, these works can still function to draw us to God, um, but it's in a negative rather than a positive sense. So, in other words, they point us to God by way of contrast. They show us darkness and ugliness, a view of life without God, and they thus engender a longing for beauty, truth, and goodness that is satisfied fully in him. So I would say that works of this kind, they're not worthy of contemplation and thus should be excluded from that activity. Um, Now, you know, in our visions, of course, imperfect and distorted, we won't always be able to distinguish what is beautiful and worthy of contemplation and what's not, and that's okay. Uh, Grace abounds, and as long as we're ordering our hearts to God and paying attention um, to the effect a work is having in our interior, we can proceed with confidence uh, that God will work to the good, any error in judgment on our parts. Um, And so there are aspects even of, you know, what I would call, you know, what I wouldn't call beautiful works that have elements of beauty to them, again, if they're expressions of technical brilliance in from a standpoint of proportion, harmony, things like that. So maybe aspects of the work are worthy of contemplation, but not the work in toto. so um, and but I don't want to belabor, you know, give a, a complicated definition. I ultimately just pay if you're ordered towards God and paying attention to what how the effect it's having on your interior. Um there again, grace abounds, and he will he will work all things to good in your favor so
0: okay projects what projects. is happening at Holy Child Catholic School in New Mexico? <laughs> they have outfitted
1: the entire school, and that is we've been working together for years now, and they are they have they have covered the walls their hallways entirely with i think we're up to somewhere around fifty fifty five pieces at this point point. Um, wow. and it, yeah exactly and they're and they're doing this in two buildings but it they're uh, and they're trying to lead students through a combination of kind of world history and salvation history kind of intermingled um, mm-hmm. and it's it, I meant students can can't be helped but to be it can't be helped that they're impacted by this art positively um, and yeah. it's it, it and you just walk in, and I think the hallway is roughly 280 feet long, if I recall. And the entire hallway is lined with art. Um, and, and their their desire is their, they recognized several years ago that uh, we need more. Uh, we need beauty in our schools. And and, yeah. and again, they had a very... With them, I haven't worked much from a vision standpoint because they collectively they had a vision that they worked out together and they just wanted me to help implement it. And that's exactly what I've done. I mean, there's been consultation, but by and large, this has been their vision and it's pretty extraordinary to walk in and, and see what and they've it's, done.
0: And it's kind of an old idea, you know, the, the stained glass windows, mm-hmm. uh, told, told little stories and showed characters that those capitals, those little carvings on capitals at the top of those little Romanesque chapels, They told a lot of those people inside, many of whom might have been illiterate, this is what what it's all about. This is what's going on here. Mm -hmm. Give us some examples of the works that are in that long hallway.
1: Yeah. um, You've got works by Cézanne, so um, some of the ones that I think are most impactful to me, Velázquez's The Crucified Christ, um, and The Adoration of the Lamb by Van Eyck, and then we've got more modern representations. I don't typically deal in uh, anything that's within 1920 and beyond, because it's still in copyright, because there's a lot of licensing issues that I have to work with in order to make sure that works of art are available. But um, but so like Rouault's, uh The Old King, Um, some of the like representation of Fauvism a little more modern Um, and then um, you know and again it's a mix of religious and so we've got Monet we've got Renoir Um, it's just a whole smattering of some of the great works uh, throughout history and and it's again
0: it's stunning. And, And who chose them again? That was uh they chose these. So they they did they did almost all that. You you didn't advise. You didn't suggest. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to. Didn't have to. They came to me with
1: the list and they said they said, "Can we do this?" So, and just to give a little backstory here, the reason they discovered me, why I said it technically the business technically started in 2016, but didn't um, didn't really start to take off until 2020 because I wasn't really pushing it. It was more of a side project. But Monastery of Christ in the Desert in New Mexico, uh, one of my best friends is a monk there, and they reached out to me to ask if I could potentially help them uh, provide provide them with art reproductions for the renovation of their guest, their guest facilities. And I said, you know, kind of a shrug of the shoulders, yeah, well, we'll give it a go, and it turned out beautifully. And so that that's how, a few years later, or, uh, one of the parents associated with Holy Child, who's their, um, their IT, like volunteer IT guy, he saw the works there and he's like, this is what we've been looking for. And then they hmm. reached out and again, they've, they've been developing their vision collectively, uh, their art teacher, the principal, uh, him, and a couple of other folks have been working together to kind of develop the works that they wanted. And then they say, is this possible? And I say, yes or no. Um, and then they have, I, I always tell them, I tell people like, you need to come up with alternatives just in case, because some museums in the world are very possessive of their works and others are very open and yeah. sometimes licensing isn't possible. Um,
0: hmm. so. What about uh, another one? Holy Trinity School in Minnesota. What's going yeah. on there?
1: That that's... Um, I, I think ICLE, Institute of Catholic Liberal Education, told them about me, and I've been working with the head of school there, and we just finalized everything, um, but we're creating a... A space because they have a, a certain budget that they're working within, and so we're rather than try to outfit the entire school, which is a very large school, um, we are taking one space and creating kind of it's they call it their gathering space and creating a, a kind of a contemplative area. And so there's going to be couches, there's windows that look outside, like large picture windows that look outside, um, and they're trying to convert this. <laughs> kind of a communist looking building, you know, just the flat, you know, single story, large concrete complex, uh, trying yeah. to convert a space in there to um, to start the conversation with, in, with students and in their hearts around beauty. And also the thing about doing this is, is once donors see, because a lot of schools in the classical world, you're you, you, um, relying on donors, um, and I think that's actually a good thing. Um, it creates a community. But once donors actually see the space, you can actually start to raise money uh, based on what they're – because, again, like we were talking about earlier, once you experience it, then, it, oh, I see now. You can't tell somebody about this. They need to see it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so if you're just, again, creating a, a contemplative space for students to um, begin to experience this art and also to, uh, like we were talking about earlier, at least passively, uh, encounter God. How does a
0: school approach you? Just go to the website.
1: Really, I don't push the website's almost a calling card. It's really a lot of times it's these conferences um and referrals. So I get mostly phone calls. I do have people reach out um through the website um it's just a means of contacting me but
0: D- Derek Derek look look you you, you got to hire a, comp- a marketing company you you got to hit you got to do a million facebook blast you got to get on instagram you got to get on twitter oh look you've got to so do a tiktok much. tiktok <laughs>
1: okay i have been told to do tiktok and i said no because again no again i'm I can't. i'm not trying because the, you know, what- i can't look in the mirror if i do <laughs> exactly okay <laughs> I'm glad you get it. Thank you. That's uh <laughs> that warms now, my heart. Now,
0: uh, secular classical schools, like classical charters, uh have you worked with them at all or not as much?
1: Um it's it's starting to happen. A few. But yeah, it's okay. starting to happen. Yeah. And uh I think I think with, with broader exposure and again, I'm not trying to put myself out there. Um I want this to be a really organic thing, in order to be able to, so that you know we can handle it from a production standpoint, so that we can meet the desires and needs of of clients. But, um, but I have a few, yes, a few of the secular classical.
0: You know, actually I actually have, have a question. You know, the the charters, chart classical charters, even you know they can't put crucifixes on the walls, right? Can they? Can they put I don't know if you know this or not, but can they put a painting of the crucifixion? If it's a classical painting, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you mentioned Velasquez. Can can that go on the wall? I don't know, actually. It, It It may vary from state to state.
1: It may, and I think it depends on how you pitch it. Um, because we I was working with a couple of schools in Wisconsin and ultimately we're having to reassess how we go about it Um, they were and I should explain um, they were trying to use to use essentially federal funds to um, to pay for the art project and they had a in fact, and, and it was going through. I don't know what happened at the at the last hour, but they backed out the, the governing, the government organization or whatever that is in charge of the funds backed out at the last hour. Um, but they had a, a very solid argument for why works of art uh, address learning loss, which is a big topic since COVID. But. Um, but one of the, I think, if you pitch it in a certain way, meaning like this is a classical representation of mannerism or some form of art, you know, some some, right, um, right. You can actually, you could still put that on the wall. Now, could you get away with Crucified Christ by Velázquez? I don't know, but um, there are, but I, I think you could make an argument for it. Um, yeah. So yeah. it is possible.
0: Well we need to get the bishops on board Absolutely. understanding, and this. some of them we, are we need to, we, yes 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 we need we, we need to spread the word but for now uh, the the website is benedictusart art or arts art,
1: art. singular benedictus
0: Dot .com yeah. uh, but for okay for now uh, we'll, we'll we'll see i'll see you in, in later this year and you'll you'll tell us uh how things are going. Uh, But Derek Derek Books, thank you for joining us. Uh, Thank you for having
1: me. It's been a pleasure.
0: And thank you for listening to our conversation, which has been supported by Wyoming Catholic College, which combines great books, the Catholic tradition, and the great outdoors of the American West into an extraordinary education. Go to wyomingcatholic.edu or contact the admissions office at 877-332-2930.